Hi guys, I'm Oliver and this is Deep Cuts, a channel dedicated to music for lovers of music. And today is the third Deep Cuts podcast. Joining me on the podcast today is Louisa Liz, who is host and creator of the YouTube channel Art Regard. Really good channel. Please go and check it out on there. She talks about uh, all sorts of ideas relating to philosophy, specifically in the context of film. Today we do talk about some of that, but we also bring that into the context of music as well. Uh, really interesting discussion. I hope you enjoy it. So, Louisa, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very <laughs> good. Fine. Good. Yeah. Thanks for joining me on the only the third Deep Cuts podcast we've ever done because I don't seem to have enough time to actually sit down and do it. Um, and I also <laughs> want to make sure that I get guests on where we've got lots of things to discuss. And I feel like that is definitely something that's going to happen with us today. And we've probably got quite a lot to talk about. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I've definitely got a lot to talk about. So, yeah, first off, I wanted to start probably quite from a quite a selfish point of view, because um, I know that you went to the Toronto International Film Festival recently. It's been on recently, hasn't it? And I just wanted to find out what you saw and what, what we need to be looking out for coming up, because um, I'm a bit of a film fan myself. Okay, so I have my letterbox, <laughs> my letterbox app on me here. Good so app. I have all of the films I watched. Um, but definitely, I watched Loveless, I watched The Clean of a Sacred Deer by Yorgos Lantimos, which is my favorite. I was expecting uh, this film very anxiously. He's one of my favorite uh, contemporary directors for sure. And The Clean of a Sacred Deer is, I think, one of his most strong works so far. Really? So yeah, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was very, very good to, from, a, from every single standpoint of view in terms of film. Um, yeah. it, it definitely elevates the experience of cinema, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, was wow. the, the best film I watched in the festival? Um, yeah, I, I, I want to do an overview, like a full video essay on his work. Mm. After that, I just got very inspired <laughs> to do that. So how does, it, but, how does it hold up to, because um, the lobster, I really liked the lobster. I thought the lobster was great. Is that, yeah, I mean, is it does it run up, does it hold up to the lobster? Is it better than the lobster? Because I'm I, I, for me, it was better. It's wow. complete. Is a completely complete. It still has the elements that he used of absur absurdity, yeah. um, but is is even darker because the lobster has a vo very dark sense of, of humor in the film. Yeah. But the Kaleva Sacred Deer, I thought it was much more dark than uh, it was talking much more of uh, elements of the human condition itself okay from a from a serious point of view of course has like certain situations in the film that they're so absurd that you have to laugh about it like it's kind of like a nervous laugh <laughs> but for me it, <laughs> it wasn't that much of a of a funny film but more of like a serious um a serious undertone like a very dark undertone yeah so did, did am i right in thinking lanthimos directed dogtooth as well was it dogtooth yeah i mean that that's a great it's amazing film, it? yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. i i believe that the clear of a secret Deer, he actually expanded some of the ideas that he was talking about already on dog tooth in oh, terms really? of family in terms of traditions we have um i don't want to spoil the film because i really think this film is a type of film that you have to go without knowing much about it yeah. but is it is very powerful so yeah i think everybody should definitely check it out <laughs> I'm definitely going to check it out. I don't know when it's out here. I think it, we always get these releases so much later. I don't think we're going to get it until probably November, December. But um, I'll definitely check yeah. it out. Yeah. It's, it's funny because recently, because I, I, I go try and go to the cinema as much as often and uh, as, as often as I can. 
Um, and at the moment, the cinemas over here, there is there is nothing. There is nothing that kind of caters for that audience that isn't the mainstream. Oh. And I've uh, I, d- I don't know if you've seen the new It film, for example. It's, yeah, I watch it. Uh, have you seen? What What do you think about it? I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I have okay. a giant collection <laughs> nice. of books. So it's more, it's more of an entertainment film than anything. Mm. It's, not, it's not an art film. It definitely has good storytelling elements. Uh, I really enjoy the film. Yeah. But m- from a different perspective, I guess, than I enjoy from, like, Lantimo's work. But, mm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to definitely, like you say, um, sort of know the difference between something that's supposed to be Hollywood blockbuster and something that's supposed to be more more regarded and more artful. But I did, I did feel personally with the It film that I just felt... I felt like I was watching a tropey horror film. You know, I was like, you know, you could count the tropes. You're like, oh, look, it's a horror film because this has happened and this has happened and now this has happened oh, as yeah. well. And it's yeah. like one of those, <laughs> isn't it? And I, I feel like cinema is, is so like that at the moment. Um, I'm yeah, looking very... forward to... Yeah, I've, it's very... Um, you can tell what is going to happen in the film very easily. But what I was yeah. going to say is... Um, you know, I think it is getting a lot of, like negativity and but also loads of people going crazy over the film that it's not necessarily that much of a higher regard from in my my perspective but yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it made a lot of money didn't it it certainly made a lot of money someone's happy it broke the record of all time um releases for horror film like in history yeah so the first week and the second week the both both um broke records i watched it in the middle of 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 tiff like literally like in the festival like <laughs> the week was going on and we just stopped louis and i we stopped to go watch it because i, I was excited about it I, i'm a huge yeah, horror yeah. fan i was excited i was like let's let's go watch it and i really enjoy it the film but from a completely different point of view but another film I, that is worth it watching in i don't know it's loveless is i don't i would never know how to pronounce the name of the director uh andre ziga oh, i don't know I don't know. It's a Russian okay. film. The same guy that did Leviathan, and the film. Oh is yes, yeah. I can't remember how to pronounce his name either. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. But the film is amazing. is is great, 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 great. Oh, I'm gonna check that. Out. Leviathan was a really impressive film. I thought that was yeah. it's so political as well. It's really nice to see. Um, I guess a lot of the films that I watch from Russia, we watch people like Tarkovsky. They're very lyrical films, aren't they? They're very poetic yeah. and lyrical. Whereas yeah. that that film Leviathan was so. It was so political. It was so about Russia's contemporary. It was. It was something really exciting about that. So, I did, was this film also quite political? Or did he take a different angle for this one? Um, it has a little, a little bit of a political undertone in it, um, but mostly he's talking about family as well. So it was like one after the other because we watched Loveless and then after we watched The Killing of a Secret Day, so they kind of complemented each other as well. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is political because when you're talking about traditions, you're always talking about politics in a way, I, mm. I believe, like certain things that we take for granted in our lives that we accept more than we should. So yeah, it's a good film. It's a, it's a story about a couple that is divorcing and both of them don't want to keep the, the, the child. They try to like go back and forth with the with this this kid, and he disappears, mm. and then loads of things are gonna happen after his disappearance. But it's just the way he wrote and directed. He he's making loads of reference to Bergman as well uh, in okay. this film. In so it's a very interesting, very interesting film to check it out as well. I don't know if it's gonna go get released. The director was there in the screening, mm. so he answered loads of questions in the end. Uh, it was sort of like a Q and A, and he 
definitely he was talking about in this film loads about how our society like nowadays like the way we live uh, especially in emerging countries like Russia where I come from Brazil how loveless it's our state uh, lovelessness state of lovelessness it's very interesting the, his approach was very interesting okay it's nice to see okay. a, a filmmaker that's got such a purpose about every film that he makes isn't it I think that's yeah. why I like seeing these films so much and it's and like you were saying you're making that differentiation between a blockbuster and something that has more of a more of a sort of impact to it but I find I find myself getting increasingly more and more bored by the mainstream side of things because it <laughs> offer you know you sit down for two hours and you come out and it's so fast food isn't it you go okay that was I guess kind of enjoyable but I've immediately forgotten about it it's given me nothing to take away apart from probably an endless number of sequels down the line you know yeah. it's just a shame really but um, yeah, so so in terms of obviously, I've told the people that are listening to this. Hopefully, a few people are listening to this. Um, what you do, <laughs> and you've got your, your your YouTube channel, Art Regard, and you talk about philosophy and art, and a lot of it's uh, very sort of film focused. But um, sort of as, so, as a creative person, what is it that draws you to talking about art and film in the context of philosophy? What was that that kind of made you want to start doing that? Um, so. I always wanted to work with film, um, but I also always wrote. So writing is always something that I always did. So it was very easy for me to combine both qualities uh, uh, and both interests of mine. But there was a specific time when I was doing my university degree that I actually quit um, my, my degree and went to philosophy for a year. <laughs> really? So, yeah, because I was like, that's what I want to do. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't completely what I wanted to do with my life. So... Yeah, so Aragar is more of a brief of fresh air for myself to continue always studying about philosophy and always studying about film. Mm. Um, and I think it's essential, always essential to bring philosophy in the context of art because it definitely opens our perspective and the way we see the world and the way we see um, ourselves in, in, in the perspective of the world and the art we're interacting with. So yeah, that's for me is essential. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's funny because... I think there's sometimes there's a backlash. I think I've found it because I've gone back to university recently, so I'm studying literature at the moment and I'm going through oh. that process, which I'm enjoying because I've gone back after a few years. Um, and sometimes people react quite negatively, I think, to people that are doing arts degrees or they're discussing philosophy. They react negatively and say that perhaps talking about art in the context of philosophy is like a waste of time or it's it's mm -hmm. that horrible word pretentious you know the word we spoke about this before didn't we how how hateful that word pretentious actually is uh, and yeah. what would you say to what would your response to be to somebody that says to you oh well what's the point of studying philosophy with film i guess it's a matter of how much you want to expand your knowledge how much you want to expand um your perception of things like if you want to always look through things through a single box and through a single lenses and that that's what you want to do and then you go go for it that's not how i want to see the world that's not how i want to live my life as a creative person so i, I hate the term pretentious <laughs> yeah. i hate it because it's just a it's just an easy way to to just I don't know, just take value of something that actually has loads of value, that yeah. it's, it's a personal search for me, but it also, um, what I try to do with our regard is I try to bring that, those questions that, um, that I'm asking myself when I, when I watch a specific work of a specific director and trying to bring that to discussion. It's not necessarily me trying to say, oh, this is the right way of seeing this film, or this is the right or the only way possible of seeing this film. Yeah. But I'm trying to add another layer of interpretation and another layer of uh, how can you discuss um, 
this, this director uh, in a more broad way, in a more interesting way, maybe. So yeah. what I do is like sometimes I'm trying to bring a topic and then I'll f that I want to talk about and in philosophy and then I'll try to think about a director that I, I believe that uses that or even subconsciously maybe he talks about that in his films and then I make my videos like on, on top of that sometimes as well like different not necessarily is always from the director to the philosophy but sometimes from philosophy to the films as well yeah yeah I think I think people get caught up sometimes don't they with the um, the author's intent and it's not you don't have to take a philosophical notion or an idea it doesn't have to come from that filmmaker yeah. itself you as a philosopher can apply that that's kind of part of the beauty of studying the arts in that kind of way because there's sort of, the sort of things that you can come up with by pairing a philosophical notion together with a piece of film or a piece of art it's really fascinating I think a lot of people don't quite realize the beauty around that you know yeah, exactly, and it's ex exercise for the brain, really, because mm. I'm always learning something new, and I every video I try to make, I try to come up with a new idea, um, or something that wasn't discussed before, or a perspective that wasn't talked before. Yeah. So it's an exercise for myself, and I hope that people try to give themselves more opportunity to think differently and think. Like, think, actually, just literally think. <laughs> <laughs> just think, people, please. If you're listening to this yeah. and you don't think, please just think. I, I, it, and it comes down to, it does come down to it, doesn't it? There's two There's diff two different types of people. There's people that want to learn every day and there's people yeah. that, you know, don't. But I suppose to, to break that down a little bit further as well, you've probably got people, you've got people on this earth that are intelligent they want to learn but it's different kind of learning so they like learning the practical side of things and for them looking at art and philosophy isn't practical it's not reality it's you know yeah it's um, too much metaphysics so, <laughs> yeah exactly we're, we're, we're looking too pie in the sky but I think you know people like ourselves I'm sure lots of people that are listening to this can see there's such a value in being able to talk about art in that way and actually it's just again I just yeah that word pretentious does do my head and it's it, I've heard it so <laughs> I've heard it so often in the past few years um, and just uh, it's such an easy way of belittling something like exactly. you say that ha can have so much importance and have so much you know, so much to talk about so much value yeah I think it's definitely uh, one of those misused words as well <laughs> in a sense yeah. like people just throwing words nowadays of anything instead of like just well <laughs> yeah sad. you're right well I mean pretentious is to pretend isn't it and I'm just because I'm looking at for example let's say you're you're one of your specific videos and you're talking about something and someone goes well that's pretentious no it's not because you're taking an idea and you're you're working it through and you're in your kind of utilizing that art and those philosophical ideas and working something together you're not pretending anything you're just yeah exactly <laughs> there's, there's no pretending there at all I, I think yeah. maybe there's in a few very small instances where the term pretentious might um, actually apply it might actually apply yeah there might yeah. be there might be a few a few points and I think maybe in music occasionally I listen to something and I think or oh, you've you've uh, you've used that instrument or you've you've put that lyric in there like for instance maybe they'll use like a say for instance so my <laughs> this is a bit of a personal <laughs> one so I, used to, I, I was in a band I'm still in a band with a friend actually and we we used to make music but we never really put it out or anything and we yeah. went we got obsessed with Tarkovsky for a couple of years and we started putting um, little snippets of dialogue <laughs> into our into the songs into and the music they, yeah and they didn't really have anything to do with I mean the music the songs had nothing to do with Tarkovsky I would say that's probably pretentious like I put my, <laughs> I put my hands up <laughs> I, I, if Jake is listening to this you know we're right like I'm pretty sure that's quite a pretentious thing to do so I think in some ways 
the pretentious word applies. But yeah, I don't think especially not women. Maybe so, it was just a way of externalizing a huge passion or a huge like, obsession from the time as well. Maybe, yeah, maybe that, that's a very nice <laughs> way of putting it. I wish you were around to review the music when we had originally released it. Because <laughs> that would have been helpful. I'm scared <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. I d- don't worry. I don't think that music will ever see the light of day. To be honest, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so. It's funny, you were talking about these ideas of contextualizing art through philosophy and a lot of people think it's a a waste of time because, um, so through my degree at the moment, I've been doing a psychoanalysis module. So we've been working through the theories of Freud and Lacan and although much of their theories are a little out of date and a little bit passe these days, I suppose, uh, the discussion that we just had kind of reminds me of that psychoanalytic discussion that Freud had between sort of dreamscapes and reality because he talked a lot about the fact so the child is playing and and there's a dreamscape here and this is where we're talking Mm -hmm. about making stories and then there's the real and reality which is a completely separate thing and I think people don't understand that there's there's not two concrete things you know the the real what what even is the real I think people as soon as art comes up they go well you're, you're talking about literature you're talking about films and music you're living in this dreamscape you're at university and you're just you know wandering <laughs> around yeah. reading some philosoph- philosophical books you don't really it's not really the real world and I think uh, you know I think the people that study that sort of stuff the people that take time to sit and read some of these uh, these thinkers ideas um, understand the world better than many of those people who would dismiss them do uh, I guess yeah. I just want more people to read this stuff you know I want more yeah. people to do it I want the people that comment in videos like our videos or like other video essayers and call us or anybody pretentious, I want them to actually counter argument my ideas and maybe come up with like, oh, okay, so discuss with me because I I would love to have somebody to come up and like actually expand even more and like refute some of my ideas. That would be ideal (laughs) for me. It's about the discussion, isn't it? If I if yeah. I were to do a discussion video, I would I want people to either I want people to disagree with me or have an idea, but not not just to go, you know, oh, this is pretentious, this is crap. Did you have? Did you get many comments that going, this is pretentious on your channel? Then no, or, the positivity no. I get from in our regard is uh, is really great. Like people usually yeah. come up with um, what I do get is people asking me questions, asking for recommendations of books or recommendations of like further readings. Uh, um, it's really rare that I get a comment up like, oh, you're being pretentious or something like that. It does happen, mm-hmm. but it, it does really it doesn't matter because the positivity is, is just is really good. Like you probably yeah, experienced I, that with deep cuts as well. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I, I would say I've had a look at your comment section. that seems really positive. Like you've got a really nice yeah. basis of followers. I think people that actually appreciate the content and, and for the and for, for the most of the most part, the people that watch deep cuts are the same i've got a really nice audience and there's only a few people that pop up occasionally to go you know to, to make a pointless comment that doesn't really attribute to the conversation yeah. <laughs> i had one the other day so um i put up that video about um, music as a coping strategy and talking oh. about how people how people use it and loads of people really opening up about personal stories which is oh, lovely good. yeah it's a lovely thing to see to see the community come together and actually want to talk about these personal issues and um the other day i woke up and i, I get pings occasionally of notifications and it was someone saying this comment section needs to just take some prozac and it was like oh come on like oh, really no, <laughs> yeah yeah what an awful oh, thing to say that's terrible no. Yeah, I know, but but you know it's the internet, isn't it? And we're we're always going to get a few people like that, unfortunately, talking. Yeah. yeah so, 
it's a free medium isn't it so everyone's allowed to say what they want to say but it's not it's it's really <laughs> nice i think um that we've both got yeah people that are watching the channels that are caring about the content and it's just heartening to see um i don't know if you if you ever watched um i'm trying to remember what the youtube channel is called now it's a guy from britain who talks about philosophy and i can't remember what he's called which is really bad because um i wanted to sort of shout him out what's his name hold on <laughs> uh, philosophy tube have you heard of him no i'm i might i don't know let's see yeah so he's got i think he's got about 135,000 subs he's doing really well but he did an ma in philosophy and decided that oh. because the tuition fees in this country have gone up so high he would give yeah. his ma away for free and talk about different philosophical ideas on That's his amazing. channel each week which is yeah great and it, and he's got a really nice audience as well and it's really nice to see there's channels out there doing that sort of thing because i remember sort of about a year ago i don't know if you ever watched the channel but it was um the pbs ideas channel oh yeah for sure yeah i watched oh, it so yeah, good but it, it was, was really, so good yeah yeah but but their their viewer base just started dwindling and i don't think they could afford to keep it on anymore which is such a shame because there's just no, there's there's very few channels tackling those ideas now. If you if you look at sort of the 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 ninety nine percent of what's going on on YouTube, all the noise that's there, and then you have a few people. <laughs> yeah, no, people listening to this can't see Louise's face right now, but she made the same face as me when we were thinking about the majority <laughs> of YouTube. Uh, yeah, the majority of YouTube. Oh, it's God. sad, sad, sad world. <laughs> it is a sad world, isn't it? But I mean, like we need we need. Um silly things too in our lives i believe that i strongly believe that we need memes <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah but <laughs> but it's sad that it's sad to see the amount of crap that that's going on on youtube right now <laughs> and, and yeah. on trending if you go on trending it's a shit show <laughs> oh yeah of course it's yeah i mean yeah i love memes but let's do memes in moderation you know let's not have <laughs> it's like 99 percent memes and one percent content it'd be nice to have a little bit more of a <laughs> uh, I haven't been balance. watching as much I haven't been watching as much YouTube as I wish to be watching like just don't have time uh, to check everybody's content that I want to check like that because yeah. that's that's also loads of people doing interesting things as well but I also cut up myself like just sometimes watching the same YouTubers over and over so like yeah <laughs> yeah no definitely definitely so uh, it seems like because obviously we follow each other on twitter and i occasionally see that you're, you're doing projects and things it seems like you've got loads yeah. of things going on so other than your other than art regard the youtube channel what other stuff have you got going on at the moment because it seems like you're just really busy <laughs> <laughs> not that busy but yeah i just actually just finished writing a book <laughs> oh wow okay brilliant What's yeah that about so um, I decided to, I'm going to self-publish it um, last year, so that's going on right now. <laughs> it's a poetry book. Oh, brilliant. Um, okay. I'm also writing a Chronicles book, so I, I, I'm always writing, honestly. That's like my main day. Besides yeah. that, TIFF and some productions, uh, Louis and I were working on um, script together as well. Um, yeah, there's loads going on. <laughs> I like keeping secrecy with things till they're ready oh, to show. Okay. <laughs> I'm more like that. <laughs> but yeah, I finished writing Kintsugi, which is going to be my first book, official book. Yeah, so that's coming yeah. up next year. So yeah, that'll be an exciting. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you wanting to keep projects secret, so I won't push you too much on them. <laughs> we'll, wait, we'll, wait, we'll wait patiently and we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, Toronto life is busy anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, no, good. You have to be. You have to be busy. You have to have lots of things on your plate, I think. Yeah. especially when you're doing this kind of thing you're doing a lot of thinking you're doing a lot of creating so it's good to have, i think if you work on one project and only one project you start start to go a little bit mad don't you 
Like, I don't yeah. think I could do the channel, the only do the channel and nothing else. I think I always need to have other things going on as well. You so, have to do keep your keep your um, your brain working all the time. Otherwise, I'll go insane. Like I get bored. <laughs> I have yeah. to keep always keep doing something, like putting myself in projects. I'm like, that's that's what keeps me going. Like yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah, and if you're if you're a creative person, then that that's, that that is what you end up doing. I I've I've done it a few times where I, in my life where I've just worked nine to five jobs and done nothing else, and it's it's soul sucking. For if if you if you like learning all the time, you like to do those things. It, I wouldn't recommend it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Um, so, so I mean, obviously, we're talking philosophy in quite a broad sense here. You know, your channel is about it. I, I sometimes talk about it, but in terms of the contemporary philosophical sphere, are there any contemporary philosophers that you feel are really capturing? the problems and the ideas of the contemporary at the moment because I know there's a couple of superstars you have people like Zizek who uh, has gained quite a lot of uh, notoriety across the last few years with some of the things he's written and some of the, some of his books that he's released are there, are there any philosophers you find at the moment that are really speaking to you or that are really just talking about the contemporary in a really interesting way I was actually going to talk about Zizek <laughs> I really yeah, like his work okay, good. I really like his work and he's always he's a vet I think he got like I mean his ideas are great. Uh, he has uh, he's a very open person to his, discuss his ideas, but also the fact that he's always um, he's always bringing like he has an eye on what's happening right now and always commenting and always showing his face. He's like he's a different philosopher in a sense of like what we used to think the idea we have from what it is a philosopher, right? Because mm. if you <laughs> Because he's always in the media and is very different from like that reclusive thinker, that idea that we had in the past. Which, uh, anyway, I think is interesting. I, I really, really appreciate his work. Really like his work, what he's doing right now. I was yeah. gonna talk about him, uh, but also I think the term philosopher is really broad because we can talk okay. about people that are bringing new ideas to the table right yeah. now. Like I don't know if I consider myself, for example, a philosopher. Of course, I have to. To, to be I mean I think there's a lot loads of like philosophical uh, intent mm. of my work yeah but I wouldn't consider myself a philosopher for example but yeah I was thinking about that actually because um, when you invited me to talk about music and philosophy um, I, I was reading some articles about it and um, Beethoven actually said that he considered music to be expression of philosophy Okay. So what do you think about that? I was I wanted to. <laughs> oh, she's flipped it around. She's flipped it yeah. around. <laughs> Go, you're no, gonna catch me on the back I... foot. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking about that, and I actually wrote some things around. But uh, do you think music is an expression of philosophy as well? I think I think that some yeah. music is an expression of philosophy. I think it. Yeah. I think it's it's very much the way. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's very much the way that there, there's a split with music. That there's a split with film. There's a cultural split, and I think. Mm -hmm. There are there are there are some forms of music that feel more intentionally philosophically expressive than others, but there is mm -hmm. also there is also probably lots of music that you could, if you wanted to, choose to read philosophically into other things. You know, yeah. It, 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 this is that yeah. I mean, if I the sort of some of the music I listen to, if I try and think of music that is uh, philosophically expressive, I tend to start thinking about ambient music. But I mm -hmm. think but I think that's probably because for me ambient music puts me into a certain state 
where I'm able to mm. think about big ideas. That's that's my that's my working music or my thinking music. So I think that's probably quite a personal response myself. That's interesting. Um, yeah, but I don't. That, it's interesting because like you know we're talking about you could you could probably read philosophically into Justin Bieber's sorry if you wanted to. You know, <laughs> you, I'm sure you could do a whole video on that. Um, so I think I think it's an interesting notion. What what are your thoughts on it? Then? Do you think that there's a specific type of philosophically expressive music, or is it kind of broadly everything? In a way, we're expressing ideas through sound when, with music, and music has a very, very important impact on our lives in the sense of like, um, that's it, like there's music that will make you think or feel something. Music always makes you feel something in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's almost like a language on its own, so we can actually think philosophically about that, if you think about uh, that we're expressing ideas through sound, that we're expressing ideas, um, like almost like a, like the speech like, that comes yeah. up from your mouth as well. But yeah, there's a lot, loads of like metaphysical properties in music, for sure. Mm. Um, I was actually trying to look for one, the name of the book. I didn't write it down, but there's a guy, a philosopher, he says that right now we're living in a contemporary renaissance. Okay. So, so renaissance, <laughs> let me find his name. It's Christopher <laughs> something. I've, so many people, wait. Yeah, there's too uh, many philosophers, that's why. I know, but he's great. I actually um, recorded a podcast with him when I was uh, working for CBC. And, oh, really? But I, it's Christian, but I'm trying to remember his uh, last name. <laughs> Wait, I will find it. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, f- I'll find it after. I can mention after. But he, he has this idea that we're living right now in the um, in the same kind of uh, historical aspect of course like than what it was in the during the renaissance <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so that's it's a great that's, word isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how like people are um, so, so in what in what sense are we talking about in the fact that art is is such a large part was such a large part of the renaissance in terms of expression is that is that the sort of route he's taking with that idea yeah and also expo- ex- more exploration through art as well mm. but also um our, our like like our historical like our historical moment right now like such a rupture in in terms of like science what is going on in science and like uh, in knowledge and like the internet so mm. that's like a new um and that's gonna change and it's changing every day the way that we express ourselves through art yeah. and the way that we interact with things so i will find his name and in the end i might mention <laughs> yeah that's fine once you found my, yeah 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 remember that but no, it's fine. <laughs> no 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 absolutely absolutely i think yeah it's funny it, i think it's a really like you say it's a really interesting idea um because music this is probably one of the things I love about music so much anyway, is that, like you say, there's many, there's a lot of metaphysical properties to music and there's such a fluidity and intent that mm-hmm. it could be philosophical. Um, but, but what that, what that is doing philosophically is completely open to interpretation. You might listen to a piece of music and think, well, that there, there is so much expression in a specific idea here and I will feel something entirely different to that. And I think that's so much the beauty of music and that's the reason it can be quite hard to talk about music, I think, as well. I think I think sometimes the um, mm-hmm. the properties yeah. of music, I, I, I struggle sometimes. I, I The last podcast I did was a guy called Ian King who... Um, 
he's a, he does quite a lot of journalism work in music so obviously he talks about the properties of music all the time he's reviewing music so you sometimes yeah. got to find find a way of reviewing music but it's got to be in a way that connects with people and i think sometimes when you read uh, about art in a specific way it's the it's the it's the very specific physical properties so for example you're talking about a song you're talking about what the bass drum what the bass guitar does what the drums do what the guitars do you know in a very specific literal sense and yeah. that doesn't really capture what music is because that's just you're you're just telling people what how that music's made whereas you know yeah, actually the way to talk about art is is it's to do with, with its phenomenology isn't it it's to do with the way that we perceive it or the, the way it makes us feel the emotions that come off of it and I think that's why we all connect with music so much but why also it can be difficult I think to talk about music in a, in a philosophical sense yeah but um because the idea the, the original concept of music in a philosophical way saying is the the definition would be um sound uh, organized so organized sound but yeah. at the same time human speech is also a form of organized sound and uh, mach machinery like sounds of like machines or like yeah um animal sound so like that's the question what, what is music what is not music is like uh, yeah we're <laughs> going down a rabbit is, hole yeah. here aren't we yeah <laughs> yeah and also what about improvisation in terms of jazz for example that's not completely organized in the in the sense of yeah. like um that has a pattern like of a repetition on part and that but what i love about music and talk about philosophy as well is that you're expressing an idea through sound and cre about an experience that maybe you had or uh maybe you have white playing and mm. you create a new experience and the, the person is listening to it. so it's like yeah. that merging of two that bridge between two people or more people that's what I think it's the real qual philosophical quality of music that's it's there it's it's great <laughs> yeah well what do you think about concept albums then in that case because obviously concept albums are taking a concept it might it might not specifically be a narrative it might be like a broad concept but mm -hmm. they're applying that to music and then that music is then speaking out to you with with the ideas of the original author so what, what are your thoughts on, on kind of concept albums I love when music is used for storytelling as well. So concept albums is like, I'm obsessed with it. I'm, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, okay. <laughs> for example. Okay. So um, I think they, yeah, like they, they might be my favorite band. Like since it was a, a little baby, my parents used to put Pink Floyd in the house, Pink Floyd in the house at the time. <laughs> nice, yeah, cool parents then, but, definitely. Yeah, but concept <laughs> albums, I think it's, um, I mean, I don't think that's only value on music when it is conceptual, like, no. you know? No, oh, no, definitely not. But I definitely think it's uh, taking a next step in terms of, like, storytelling in music and bringing yeah. ideas to music. And you can talk so you can talk so much, and I think music has a... Maybe it's a more accessible for people than um, going to a museum, for example, or reading, a, mm. um, I don't know, reading plateau or like aristotle you know what i mean yeah. like you can you can just put your headphones on like it's so much more accessible these days and yeah it's a form of release isn't it you, you don't have to go yeah. you don't have to go to the theater you don't have to you know queue up you don't you can you can just it's a very personal thing now music isn't it it's not a it's not a shared experience quite as much um that, that's actually interesting I, i wonder what you think as someone who reads philosophy who thinks about philosophical ideas all the time and looks at the way the way art sort of 
works with it and contradicts it. Um, mm-hmm. the, one of the things that's been sort of not bugging me, but in my head recently is how is how music has become so much more of a personal experience and what that does to change the way we think about music and the way that we um, the way that music affects us. Because uh, I know that obviously gigs are still a big thing. You go to gigs mm-hmm. all the time, um, yeah. but it just feels like, you know, everybody's got their headphones in these days walking around. It feels like I don't feel like I, I mean, obviously I share bands and, and artists through the channel. But mm-hmm. in my everyday life of people I speak to, I kind of keep my music choices quiet. You know, I don't really talk about it a great deal. They're quite yeah, personal me to me. Yeah. So yeah. I, I wonder how much that's changed the way that we think about music. We want to protect sometimes the music. We There's a lot loads of people that don't want their, the bands that they love to spread that much and to become <laughs> mainstream. Like it's going to it's going to ruin the music or something like that. No, I don't yeah. I, <laughs> I don't feel like that, but definitely. Um, but I mean, like we never experience the same music the same way. Because we're never the same people all the time, every day of our lives. And every second we change. Uh, even, I was thinking about that, like even the noise that is around us when we put a headphones on um, to listen to music, even that, the little noise is never going to be the same. So every time we experience music, uh, we're always changing and then the music's always changing us. That's very beautiful, I think, to think about. Yeah. So I don't mind, because I, I always think that um, art and philosophy um, it, it has loads of the idea of the individual like if you don't if you didn't have the idea of the individual expression we wouldn't be able to go as far as we went with I think thinking in art, art anyway and I don't know sometimes I think I, I love the catharsis of going to um, I don't know I went to Death Heaven with Lewis and, and it was an amazing nice. experience completely cathartic like we were just like completely there with the band and like the people and it was a mass of people literally like a mass of people like i was in front of just like (laughs) completely (laughs) like feeling small and feeling like in the middle of those you know like the noise is just the band um it it was a very like you know individual and like individual experience but at the same time i was in the middle of like so many people so i yeah it's always gonna be personal it's always gonna be personal i don't think it's it's really like, I think it always was, but right now it's more obviously personal because we are, like, yeah. on our own with our computers and our smartphones, whatever it is that we're using. Yeah. No, I know what but, you mean. I think yeah. I, I've had two, because like you say, that the Deaf Heaven experience, I've definitely had that experience with certain bands. I saw Swans last year. Oh. And whilst you're, yeah, whilst you're in a group with, obviously with a group of people, there's something, it feels like Michael Jira is just singing at you. It feels like the whole band is this yeah. massive thrum of music is just, is just for you. However, I have had experiences before at gigs. So for example, I saw um, Bjork, it was a few years ago now, um, big fan of her music, massive I fan of her. her music. Yeah, she's great, isn't she? Um, but there was something and it was, it was in a festival setting and that some of those some of that music is so personal it like some of the tracks off of homogenic for example are just yeah. some of my favorite pieces of music and seeing them performed in front of all of these people it felt it's... like it was sort of it was taking something away from me because that was my personal experience with that music and i, do I, I don't want to share it you know <laughs> i wish i could bring bjork here to sing for me every day <laughs> she's one of my yeah. fa- all-time favorite artists um she's just unbelievable like yeah. the way she she can she can express herself and her intimacy yeah. in music and and her voice is so full of soul <laughs> in different kinds of way. Um, yeah, oh, she's she, amazing. She's a true innovator, isn't she? Have you have you heard a new single yet off her new album? Yeah, you listen to it. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful, it's isn't great. it? Yeah, it's, it's great. 
it feels like she is going to be one of those artists that just carries on giving us such vital music some some people continue on through their career and it starts to get less it feels like it's less important and it feels like her music if anything is getting almost more important yeah which, i believe so yeah, yeah bjork is she, she never disappointed me never it's crazy because like first time i stumbled to her work i was very very young i was like uh, 13 years old um i used to go to <laughs> there was a um um record store close to my school and i used to go there and like, i made friends there like with the with the owners like a fucking nerd kid <laughs> i used to go there and they gave me one um the store was i remember that the store was closing and they that it was actually closing for good so they were selling like for uh, for one hour which is like 50 50 cents of a dollar in there. yeah wow so i bought like loads of records and i the first time i bought um Vespertine was for the cover of it. The yes. cover was so beautiful. And I, like I listened to it and I started crying right away. Really? And I was like, whoa. And then after that, I just fell in love with her work forever. Yeah. <laughs> of course, now I like, listen to it like, with more, much more mature mind when I was 13. But th- the feeling is still the same. Like yeah. there's no... Yeah, it's crazy. That's very personal to me, Bjork. We mm. saw Nick Cave this year as well. And he gave the bad seeds, and yeah. that was a very like almost religious experience. It's crazy, like he he, he yeah. pushes everybody in. It's like the sense of like we all experience something together. It's almost like a religion. <laughs> yes, that that's <laughs> funny great. actually because I I've got a friend who saw Nick on Sunday. It was for his sixtieth, and they yeah. said exactly the, the the words religious experience were exactly what they said. And I saw him back yeah. in twenty thirteen for the Push the Skyway tour. And again, you're right. It's like it's I biblical. Saw him too, yeah. It's a biblical sort of. He's just able to bring everybody's emotions together and just exert it back out of that band, and it's like yeah. it's ju- it's the most unbelievable, unbelievable experience. I suppose he must have played quite a lot of stuff off a of skeleton tree then, if you saw him recently. Yeah, yeah. That that must I, have been I, emotional. That's my second time seeing him because I saw um, Push the Skies Away tour and then the skeleton. Oh, it was skeleton, skeleton tree. Um, it was so emotional. Mm. Like, but at the same time, he played a loads of the songs from like the old albums. He played uh, Staggerly from Mother Ballads as well, Great. which is he always played the extended version of it, which yeah, I absolutely love him. <laughs> so, it's but such yeah, a good song. yeah, but because we're talking about indi- individual experience with music, but that was for me a complete like everybody was feeling at the same time the same things, and he was like yeah. a getting together kind of experience, and I I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it I mean really that good. can be that can be almost as powerful. Or more powerful than having a personal experience. I remember seeing um, Radiohead back in 2012, and they played they played videotape, and like you could feel the shivers, you could feel like this the, the going through every single member of the crowd, and it was like this 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 such a unique experience where everybody was feeling the same thing. Um, and I'm I'm sure you you probably get that at a lot of gigs. It probably depends on your personal love for the band, doesn't it, or the artist? It probably yeah. Because I've seen some bands and thought I'm not really feeling this, and you look around and there's people in tears, you know, because they're they're just really they're so connected to that music. It really means something to them. Um, it's interesting what you said about Bjork actually as well, because she is one of those artists that takes the visual, I think, as much as she does with the music. Like her her visuals matter as much as as, as her yeah. audio does. And like you say, the album art it. it there's something about it. I mean, the album art for Volnikura again is is there's something so sad but beautiful about that about that cover, and it's so it's articulates. My yeah, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, it so articulates the intense sadness of that of that record. I mean, that's one of the saddest records I think I've ever listened to. Um, and it's amazing to see an artist that takes to both of those things and sort of marries them together so well. I think. 
crazy about going back to Nick Cave. Crazy that Skeleton Tree is such a personal album as well, and as yeah, about the loss of his son, about the loss of his fate as well, because mm. um, he was a Christian. I don't know. I don't know right now where he stands on uh, with his Christianity, but he used to be a Christian, and it's crazy for me, like uh, how personal is the album, but at the same time, like you know it's, it's completely about his family completely about him but yeah. you also you, you you also experience like through his eyes like the the ability that you can imp- that you can empathize through music mm. that's like that oh, that's great i think yeah. in terms of art it's really rare that you experience something so powerful like that but i don't i don't think that art only has value when it's emotional but when you have something that is both intellectual, but at the same time it moves you, I think that's like, I, I don't know, it, it, it completely like drags me in. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think that's important. That's a really important point to make is that it's yeah, it's not just the heavily emotional music that is the stuff that's most impactful. I remember, uh, did you do you listen to Mount Erie at all? Have you listened yeah. to Mount Erie? Yeah. So obviously, A Crow Looks at Me came out this year. Very very hard album to listen to because the one about his wife wife, his wife yeah so phil's wife um died and he's now raising their child on his own and Mm. man the intensity of those lyrics like very specific tiny details about what he's missing uh, and the realization that post is still coming for her for example that was that that was I, when I was I was gonna say that that one one week after she died, like the music mm. he says, uh, I couldn't listen to the whole album till now because uh, no. it, it makes me cry too much, and yeah. <laughs> and it just I don't know uh, I really like him, but I couldn't finish yet. I'm a very emotional person, so I, I will do it one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But right now it's almost like he's um, trying to figure out what he like for what I heard so far. I think I went to halfway <laughs> in the album. I don't blame you. It's a really difficult album. And that's an interesting one because there's almost... The melodic lines are really sparse. So the the guitar work is very simplistic. He's almost speaking his parts. Yeah. Yeah, so it almost becomes... It is like a document of grief rather than anything else. That doesn't necessarily make it more artistic or more important than Mm -hmm. another album um, at all. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, my, I mean, my two favorite albums from last year, hands down, were Skeleton Tree and yeah. Black and Black Star. And, and both of those very are emotional. very emotional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe maybe I subconsciously do tend to connect more with the more emotive albums. But then having said that, there's been great albums mm-hmm. that have come out this year that I've really liked and they haven't necessarily tugged on the heartstrings in the same sort of way. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm glad you made that point, though, because, yeah, just because it's emotional or very emotive, it doesn't mean it's necessarily more artistic yeah but it, it goes it goes back to the idea that i said about music being a bridge between you and another person like uh, what you feel in what the artist felt or think or thought sorry when he was making the music so like that's also like maybe your bridge is more into the emotional side of music music yeah, yeah. but i think that's space for everything really um yeah it's crazy um, I was thinking about that, the, especially talking about jazz, like mm. improvisation, like music, that it's both. It was so intellectualized after jazz, but at the same time, like improv and jazz was like made to make you feel something as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
you were supposed to go you're supposed to go and watch improvisers and lose your mind you know yeah you weren't, suppo- you weren't supposed to go and sit there but you know we can go we can go even further back than that can't we we can go back to the early 20th century and talk about classical works we talk about Stravinsky's oh, yeah. right of spring for example that made everyone go insane when he first played it and um, that crazy. wasn't that wasn't being heavily intellectualized back then but i think there is that there is a history isn't there of intellectualizing art after the fact so once we get 50 60 years on Mm-hmm. The intellectualizations of it start coming through a lot more. But I think what's interesting is people like yourself that are talking mm-hmm. about art and philosophy are now maybe intellectualizing art earlier on in the process rather than waiting 50, 60 years down the line to start doing it. And I think that's important because it can it means yeah. that we can think about those ideas when the music's fresh as well. Yeah, like we can evolve our ideas together with the evolution of the artist. I really yeah. like that evolve doing essays and like researching like what is going on right now of course i always like uh, i have loads of videos of like like for example hitchcock that is not working yeah. <laughs> right now but <laughs> anyway but the idea of music um and art as mental entities of like a reflex of like what we think or we feel like um but plato had uh, the idea that music was actually abstract objects of our minds mm. <laughs> that's very interesting as well to think about that's interesting yeah and then Um, they are and there is there is such an abstraction there again with music isn't there i I had a conversation with someone um recently on my course we were talking about we we, we've got a we basically we need to do a research paper where we take a a piece of art so it could be anything and we have to do a psychoanalytic reading of it and i said Mm -hmm. i'm definitely i'm definitely going to do a piece of music maybe i'll do john cage maybe i'll do some like prepared piano sonatas or something like that and the person said how are you able to analyze that there's no lyrics and it's like but what <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's not just you know that's the beauty of it you know if freud can talk for 30 pages about a statue in a psychoanalytic capacity there are ways of doing it and it's important that we are yeah. able to try and exp- even if we're doing it in a way that perhaps isn't it's a, it's raw or we're, we're not quite getting it right i don't feel like yeah, i yeah. I feel like I'm still working out how to talk about music in certain ways. And I'm sure you feel the same when you're talking about philosophy, you're talking about film. You know, we're still working out ways of being able to uh, express ourselves as humans when it comes to art. And probably that ambiguity. Yeah, Yeah, that ambiguity is what makes it so beautiful, really, isn't it? Yeah. And music relates all the time to time as well, to time and present moment. And like, it is a result of a human action but in time <laughs> I meaning yeah. like either playing or like when you go play or when you put something to play um a cd or a vinyl or like mp3 doesn't matter like it's always relating to the time and then it goes back as well to what we're saying about like we never experience the same music the same way because we're never the same mm. person so like yeah that's, that's very interesting i think about about art in general but like the quality of sound especially because it's something so ephemeral and so it's not there you cannot visualize it i mean yeah. some people say they can <laughs> oh yeah well, music, it's a yeah. whole other thing entirely yeah. <laughs> no you're right i think that is that is why that is why I'm, I'm so connected to music personally i think that's why we all do because you're like you say ephemeral is the perfect way to describe music as yeah. an art form i think um yeah we all, we all absolutely love it <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we have uh, we've smashed through a load of topics today, but like, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Louisa. Yeah. Um, we've talked about those. I think I think we're planning on doing some other stuff, aren't we, on your channel as well in the next in yeah. the next month or so. So if people have enjoyed this, then 
they need to well they need to go and check out your channel anyway because your channel is fantastic go and check out Thank art you. regard go and subscribe go and have some conversations i'm going to make sure that the next video you put up i'm going to be right at the top of that comment section uh great i'm going to be analyzing and arguing because that's that's what we have to do <laughs> but thanks <laughs> so much great. for joining me today yeah that was great great talk thanks Lisa. thanks for thanks cheers. for inviting me cheers <laughs> you're welcome <laughs>